Hello everyone, my name is Matt and you are listening to On The Rocks from Why Yoga. Today we have Robbie with us. Hey everyone. And we have Colin. Hi everybody. The usual suspects. Today we're going to talk about cherishing darkness, which is an interesting idea for yogis to talk about. So I think first, maybe one of you might want to tell us a little bit about what you mean by darkness. So this is not darkness as in good and evil, right? When we talk about darkness, it's more more than good and evil. It's more about darkness and light. So if we need to find some opposites, it's more we all have a bright side, a darker side. And it's how can we embrace that darkness. And it's the same whether on a, an individual can have bright and dark sides, but I think we all experience those cycles and season is often there to remind us of that, that especially we enter in winter now, in darker days, and especially in our areas on the globe, we are facing a lot of changes between summer and the summer solstice and uh, winter solstice. So we can really feel that, that, that shift and I think most of us can probably relay with the idea that among life, we will go through those cycles, maybe not within a year, might take a little bit longer, but we all have moments, we have our peaks and valleys, basically. Yeah. And I think it's more in this idea that we, we wanted to talk about darkness. To um, add to this, sorry, I'd say, is this more hidden aspect of our existence, something that we don't really talk about it sometimes, even yeah. in yoga classes, just the way to to dive into these more subtle realms. I think it's so important to understand what's going on in those invisible realms. It's, um, I think it's an exciting topic. Talking about the dark stuff, you're not going to understand the light if you don't understand the dark. Exactly. Right? And Colin is right, it is almost winter. Another significant point to make, significant stroke, a little bit jokey, so everyone is relaxed at home. It's Black Friday today, guys. Did you know yeah. that? Yes. So this is the day when probably the three of us deliberately don't buy anything, especially online, right? Because it's Black Friday no and, and the big companies expect you to. So, Colin, you very nicely set the scene for us about why we're going to explore darkness, and so did Robbie. How do you normally feel about this time of year? Is it a time of year that, that brings you down a little bit? I think this season is... Usually it's it's mixed feeling. I'm like, I probably with the time got used to it in a way, but I think it's mixed feeling because like many others, I have also great memories from these seasons as a kid because it's the moment when Christmas arrives, when you have some holidays, you have also the, the beauty of the winter weather, which is also can be very beautiful, very light in a way, even if there is less light. So of course I have good memories linked to that. And of course I think it like probably... A lot of people, it can affect also your mood. It can also bring you to a mindset which is a little bit slower or a little bit more turning the gaze inwards. And I think overall, that's probably something that on a personal level, I had to tame, to get accustomed to, mm-hmm. and to make my friend, air quote. Yeah, with it. With it, yeah. yeah. So um, that that's... Basically, how I feel. I think it's it's a moment of the year that, at the same time, I'm happy when it's there because I know the, that it can bring some good things too. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, there is also the the darker side since we talk about the the darker sides that that's also coming with it. And in a way, it's also a little bit like the yin and yang. It's it's kind of nice. It it's a good a good lesson for for everything else in life. Robbie, where does this fear of darkness come from? I mean, most of us aren't we being sensible or protecting ourselves if we're a little bit afraid of darkness? If you want to bring it down to a more physical plane. If you look at, let's say, the human life or human existence, human body, we talk about the sense organs. You know, as human beings, we um, mostly rely on the the sight, the eyes, right? Our life is really around colors that we see and experience, and and this is how we create likes and dislikes. And we all love colors, we all love shapes, but when it comes to darkness, when we you know enter a dark place, and I'm I'm just talking about again this more physical sort of experience that we don't really see. And things that we don't really see through the eyes are maybe our brain interprets it as uncertainty, fear, unknown, sometimes even scary, spooky, mm. something that it's it's hidden, invisible. And there's that sort of original fear that that comes up or is being triggered. And of course, it depends on, on everyone or it depends on you, how you were, let's say, raised how you dealt with the, the, the night sleeping alone at night when you were a child. And as you grew up, how that changed. And did you have some time to, to, to reflect on, on these fundamental fears? Yeah. My yogi friend likes to remind me that there's natural selection and survival of the fittest and the physical evolution mm -hmm, mm -hmm, of people. Mm -hmm. And that's separate from our spiritual evolution um, but they're very often in interconnected because sometimes our spiritual evolution involves overcoming what our bodies have learned over generations, like fearing the dark. Yeah. Um, and I find it very interesting that like, physically we often fear the dark because of our physical evolution. Um, and that's mirrored in our spiritual evolution when we also fear the dark or dark spaces or mm -hmm. so on and maybe that's maybe it's just it's just also a place of discomfort because as mentioned like we we spend lifetimes or years and years just living in this world that is is comfortable that's safe that's easy that's colorful and we when we travel beyond that it's 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 an unknown world but for us yogis this is really the beginning of those let's say internal practices yeah and that's really a gateway back to if you want to use the word self, to that self or that deep, deeper self or the deepest self. So is that natural curiosity that we, um, that we try to develop as yogis, is that one way that we can begin to cherish the darkness? Exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, sometimes you don't want to use the word darkness, but I think it's more just like understanding how the human body, how the senses function and how can they really distract us? And if we can really switch us some of these senses, we can discover a brand new world. And yeah, you could say that it's, it's dark because we can't really see it, but it's there. And in order to sense that, we need to develop other skills. And we're not really trained to, to be there because it's, um, of course, it's, it's, it's scary to be in a place that you don't really see. Mm -hmm. Colin... Can you share with us some yogic principles that will help us um, with our fear of the dark, whether that is physical fear of the dark or spiritual fear of the dark? Yes, I think there are quite a few practices that we can have to, as I said, I don't have a better word, but tame darkness or get, get used to it. To me, 
One of the most obvious one would be if we start on a physical level, it's starting with like more relaxing practices. So whether it's restorative yoga, yin yoga, because by nature, they will tend to bring us to a peaceful state, to a place where we can maybe look a little bit more inwards. And I think those are practices that... I would not call them dark practices, but uh, practices that that can help us to to move a little bit more inward, to to feel more comfortable with also not moving so much. We are used to mm. keep ourselves constantly busy, whether it's mentally or physically. That's also the difference between Yin Yoga. If we if we've never done it, I think Yin Yoga is usually easier than restorative because you still feel something in the body. Mm. And then if we go to something maybe a little bit more mental towards the mental side and restorative. And then after that, we have all which is meditation, which becomes more and more abstract, more and more in the on the spiritual and mental, mental level, mm-hmm. which can help us just because as we not doing anything, as we really reflect or or yeah, move inwards and, and observe and, and cultivate that sense of, of observation, then that that can help us. There are also other kind of practices such as I think yoga nidras and um, which is another kind of meditation, but um but sound bath, for example, which I personally like also. I don't know, maybe Ruby has other points yeah sure um and it's just a simple example shavasana we you know we mentioned so many times you don't necessarily need to put shavasana in a context of a yin or a restorative practice it can also be a standalone complete you could say spiritual practice and and you can practice in the morning before you go to bed you don't necessarily need to be on your yoga mat to practice shavasana it's um I think it, it requires, of course, time to mentally prepare, also remember the purpose of, of, of that practice, and to really refine how we set up for Shavasana and what Shavasana truly is. As yogis, with time, you know, we, we talked about the limbs of yoga, the eight limbs of yoga. It's a beautiful practice and maybe one of the most complete practices. And it's so complex, but it's so simple at the same time that shavasana itself basically it's it's a practice of you can call it samadhi and it's a practice that involves all the other eight limbs of yoga just a practice that it's really combining all these elements and of course in english it's called the corpse pose yeah it's it's but it's truly it's a portal that you set yourself up for um a deeper you could say more subtle experience where you feel that the body is no longer holding you to this existence practice that i also like and which is easy but that's coming a little bit more on a also aqua darker side it's Mm -hmm. simply as we meditate as we observe the breath it can be it doesn't have necessarily to be meditation but breath of observation and maybe cultivating the idea that we had a first breath we will have a last one yeah and just observing each breath as if potentially that would be the last one. That's personally a practice that I find interesting because it put things in perspective also. To focus on your breath and then imagine that it might be the last one could be very scary. But in a way, it's, at least to me, it's a way of practicing death. Our own death of acknowledging the fact that we are mortals, that yep. it will come, that some will believe that the soul will will go 
and pass on yeah. from somewhere to somewhere else. There will be a moment where our physical body, as we know it today, our person, our mind, as we know it today, will end. Yeah. Like everything else, it's just the, the, the time perspective is different with everything. Yeah. So there will be, um, at least for this body, there will be a final shavasana practice. There's a concept in yoga where we are afraid of this, afraid of dying. Mm. Um, what is it, Robbie? Yeah, we talked about the fundamental fear, and sometimes we're not conscious of that when we were young, but there's going to be moments we become more and more conscious of that. It's that fear of dying, or just simply accepting this fact. And a lot of times, you know, we can talk about that, but you just we always think that this will never happen to us. We are immortals. But with time, I think we just need to, to, to make peace with that, or at least as yogis, ideally we spend some time on that, not just on the, the bright side of the practice, uh, fancy colorful yoga mats, but we also need to um, jump into that other realm and spend some time on the other side of the mountain. I'm old enough to have played cowboys and Indians mm -hmm. um, in the schoolyard you would die and for about 10 to 15 seconds you'd lie on the floor actually in shavasana <laughs> um so of course you weren't afraid of death because all it meant was lying on the floor for 10 to 15 seconds then you get up again yeah. i wonder does the fear of death come when you actually meet death for the first time so for example a pet dying i remember my first pet dying yeah, that's what I, what, what I wanted to say. Like, I think these things will probably be triggered when you experience a loved one, a pet, a parent, a friend who is dying, like really maybe in front of your eyes. And that's going to bring up that question like, okay, there's going to be a moment when it's going to be my turn. <laughs> <laughs> How do I prepare for that? Or can I look into that? Am I really afraid of that? Is that fear? Or where does that, fear come from why do i have that resistance i think these are interesting topics for, for for us yogis and seekers to understand like which part of me is being triggered by this idea of just simply transforming or why are we afraid of of transformation or change or the unknown because of course mm -hmm. death is a great change it's probably the biggest you know it's a it's definitely a big change it's it's but massive. i do think it's because it, it goes against our survival instincts as simply as that at least it's a, an easy explanation partially yes, of, but we're also i think uh programmed to to protect this body no matter what you know like spending millions millions to save lives to save our beauty to be forever young to you know, put old people in, in, in homes aside, so we, we don't really need to face death. But it's there, there's so much I think we can learn about life when we uh, embrace, when we invite that, you could say, darker moments. And there's going to be a moment in your life when you have no chance, but you just have to deal with that. And it's much better if you've prepared. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now this world is, you could say, like it's really dominated by the... Western thinking, Western mind. But in some cultures, you know, death is not a big thing. You know, like kids are being exposed to seeing sick people, dead people. It's part of daily life dealing with that death or transformation. 
Yeah. I'm going to insert a little personal story. I'm going to share with you the death of my pet. Mm-hmm. So my first pet was a budgerigar. His name was Billy. A what? A budgie. A budgerigar. You know, little, little bird. Oh. I don't know what it is, but okay, I'll take it as a bird. Billy, the budgie, who was blue. I was a child. Billy so. the blue budgie. Yeah, Billy B-B-B. the blue. Okay. Yeah, which is alliteration, which is a noble uh, writing form when you're five years old, which is what I was. Anyway, I woke up one morning. Billy was dead, and I was almost inconsolable. But my mother said to me, it's okay, and we knew it was going to happen. And before he died, Billy sang the most beautiful song. He chirped his heart out before leaving us, and that made me feel better until I recounted that story about 40 years later to our children who fell off their chairs laughing at me and they're like you didn't believe that did you (laughs) (laughs) and I have to say I did I honestly believe that budgerigars like because in English you have this the swan song is your last Mm -hmm. song because allegedly swans also do the same I honestly believe that budgerigars did a swan song before dying and that comforted me for 40 years and I honestly did believe it when I told that story age 50 to my kids and they I think one of them might still be laughing now, but it illustrates to us sort of how far we're willing to go to kind of ease this real discomfort about mortality. Given that, so Abinavesha is one of the glaciers, there are, there's more than one set of impediments that might help us from um, carrying on yoga, but this is a specific set. So the fear of death what yogic practices can you think of that are specially designed to help us work with abhinavesha or the fear of death? And um, is this connected to helping us with welcoming all kinds of changes, even ones that we find as difficult as death? I think no matter what practice you do, of course, it's useful. But it's always, it's always important to... Um, to bring in more mental, subtle, subtle practices, practices that help you to reflect, to do a bit of self-study or understanding the self. Uh, who is that self? Who is afraid? What is that part? What is that little self that is afraid of change, resistance? Why am I still clinging to life? Or what is that part of me that fears unknown or doesn't like to surrender? And that comes with, yeah, you could say, self-reflection, sitting down, just maybe taking sometimes guided meditation practices. There's some great teachers out there who can um, guide you through some of these fears or how to deal with fear, how to dive into that fear, to understand the origin of that fear and to work through that or just simply understand that it's it's okay to face those fears. It's it's not that we want to push that aside. We just need to understand where they come from. And maybe I think to me what can help is to practice contentment with what we have, what we've been through, where we've been, where we are at that specific moment. And knowing that or like accepting that 
what we had was what we needed to be that that we are there is nothing we can change anyway so that's finding a sense of contentment and and if not happiness at least uh, acceptance <laughs> yeah i i i guess to treat it with equanimity as everything else in life right yeah. as to as to understand that death is not necessarily negative bad or an expression of darkness it is one of those things that we have to deal with equanimity it's going to come to all of us and we can learn to accept it as we accept changes in our life that they are inevitable they're going to happen so then once you realize that you you then go okay how am i how am i gonna deal with that and you mentioned the word klesha and uh, for now we just highlighted um one klesha which is the clinging to life or fear of death but of course if you put it in a bigger context if you study all these kleshas i think you can understand some of these um still the fundamental function of the human mind or psyche i think it's so important to also spend time on on, on the root cause all these kleshas how they develop and how they manifest in our everyday life on the mat of the mat and just really spend time on that the the original obstacle or let's say the the main klesha if we understand that everything that it's it's really coming out from that fundamental misunderstanding about who we are then all the other kleshas can be we can see reduced even the fear of death yeah i always found that it's we always put if we talk about kleshas we always put avidya as the base of all but i think it's to me fear of death is really the root of it's it's an it's a different perspective but i always found it a little bit sad that it's the last one in the list because it's if you start from it's the easiest way to start from if we can tame our fear of death then you can or the fear of ending or whatever the fear of change we can also put it that way yeah we can understand better the the previous one the likes the dislikes Mm -hmm. our ego and then finally have a gain a little bit more clarity i guess we'll probably none of us will ever reach the the big one but we'll at least can gain i think it's easier to start from that point than trying to go down i think yeah it's, it's super interesting to look at these models um from different angles but if you find a way if you do regular practice to remember who we are and for that yeah you have yoga you have meditation you have self-reflection if you um travel to those layers of your consciousness when you remember or just simply understand that you are an immortal being then all that fear that we carry all the likes dislikes somehow lose their power or kind of soften another thing i joke with monica about is you know is if i open a yoga studio which of course i wouldn't because i'm really happy here um but if i ever did i would open it next to a funeral parlor because I've met so many people whose introduction to yoga or to some other spiritual practice was the death of a loved one. And whilst the death of my budgie was traumatic at the time, um, I didn't really understand all of the implications of it. But experiencing being close to somebody else dying was one of the triggers for me that eventually led me to yoga. But I also want to share another experience. I was there for the death of an older relative, and it actually turned out to be something not to fear and something really quite 
I mean, beautiful isn't the right word, but it certainly felt like like I had witnessed something special. And I was holding this person when they died. And we'd had a lovely conversation and this person was at peace. And one second they were there and another second you could tell they weren't there anymore. And it was really kind of... Now that I've been through that, I've, I, I, I fear death less because I've seen it. And I think your thing about, you know, your point about culture, if we could somehow bring that into our culture in the Western world uh, so that more of us could experience that or be closer to it, um, I think that perhaps we might help ourselves in coming, in overcoming the fear of death. And I also find it really interesting that, you know, the, the the world's major religions and indeed yoga tells us that you know death isn't the end that we are that some part of us is eternal and yet we still fear mm-hmm. death on the same kind of level my mother passed last year it was a decision of hers and we we've been on her bedside with my sister so yeah. I fully agree with you that it's uh, it, I, there is the same hardship to find the right words because it was a beautiful moment, but beautiful is not really yeah. appropriate. Yeah. But it was, um, yeah, it, it, there was something, also not the right word, but almost magical in being present in that specific moment, seeing her last breath. And yeah, so I'm, it, it is true that it, it made it easier to yep. see it compared for example with my father who passed from one day to another without us being warned or yeah. without us seeing it coming yeah i think there was a, a certain peace with a, with that experience and uh, and with that moment i actually like your description as magical because you know often people have no problem describing the birth of their children if they're there or something magical but it's i mean it's magical in that it's one of those processes of life and about how human we are and what kind of beings we are when you see the passage from one kind of being to another kind of being or another dimension it is kind of magical and maybe maybe part of the magic is the fact that we don't see it very often but also the things i was feeling at the time whichever god is taking care of that process from one world into another you know i i could also feel something was generating calm something was enabling this process to go as well as it could mm. if i could also share my own experience i don't know if you could say luck or unluck maybe now looking like i would say was was a gift that i had that childhood that for me even if it sounds weird, you know, death was always there from age of 12, kind of lingering, lingering around from the moment when I, I, I lost my mother and then also other loved ones. So for me, it was, you know, kind of present from the early ages. And, and of course, each time you experience that, it's a unique, you could say, journey experience because it's not just the moment 
when you say goodbye to that loved one on this physical plane, but it's also the entire journey, how that loved one or that being is is dealing with those um, final moments or how you deal with that. Because these are, I think, special moments also for you that you can learn and um, grow and transform so much. And these are the moments when um, all these fundamental fears, anxiety, everything that you carry will will brought up to surface. And next time you experience that again, you'll see that. For example, my dad um, died in 2017. And and of course, um, when you're losing, at least, you know, it's my life. When um, you lose both of your parents, for me, at least on this in this human body, I felt like that was a huge and massive shock because yeah. there was a part of me died. You know, my creators are gone. And I had to just simply accept that from now on, even if I have a brother and loving family and, and great friends, I have my yoga family, I'm no one's child, uh, child anymore, child anymore. So I had to accept that there was a part of me on that day also died. And I think that's um, that's maybe a beauty of life that sometimes you don't see it. We we don't always we don't only die one time. We die many many times. And I had to just make peace with that. That yeah, that day that child also died, and I had to also accept that I don't know where or how I will develop, but I felt that there's going to be a new self emerging out of the, the ashes somehow. And a lot of times I think maybe this is how we feel when we lose someone that, you know, something in you dies and you're in this also in between two worlds, like how am I going to exist without my parents or without my pet or loved one? But it's also a beautiful way to rise from the ashes, you know, just like the, if you want to use the image of the, the 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 phoenix from the um from those ancient traditions you need to die to to be reborn and and i think that's maybe beautiful life that we die so many times but we're sometimes we're not even conscious of those deaths yeah what started out as a joke kind of turned into a beautiful moment where we all share stories about loved ones who have died i still have one parent so I feel very privileged after listening to you two now, and I am going to, I do cherish him, my father. So if we take this down to, it's not an everyday event, being able to be with somebody when they die, but at the moment we have plenty of, let's say, metaphorical darkness outside with COVID-related anxiety, which just got ratcheted up recently with a new variant. And I guess whenever you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure there will be yet another new variant. So it's <laughs> going to be there. How can we deal with these everyday anxieties and indeed, you know, COVID and anxiety, given that it could make you properly afraid of your own death? Um, do you have any tips on what we can do? I think personally, what helped me to go through that, all that, although I'm still struggling every now and then with frustration and anger, probably more than anxiety today. <laughs> right. <laughs> what helped me to go through, um, I've done a lot of yoga nidra because I had eight, I had a, quite a few sleeping issues mm -hmm. during this uh, this time for several reasons, pandemic being one of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've done a, a lot of yoga nidra and I think that's uh, it's an easy practice to have on your own at home. 
because you have plenty if you find like it's it's quite easy to find on Spotify or other platforms um, different kind of yoga nidras or if you have a teacher that you you like to follow it and uh, and I think it's a it's a beautiful beautiful practice to have after that some meditation yeah just taking the time to to reflect a little bit to take a pose and as I mentioned I think restorative yoga is uh, is also a great place to be yeah um when it comes to my life and these these days i mean not much changed of course in terms of practices maybe my practice became became a bit more even more reflective i would say i'd always like to share in classes because you know like a lot of times people come for a physical workout and they like to sweat which is great to get the energy moving or whatever stress we carry tension Physical yoga is great. Yoga is really nice these days because you can sweat and, and, and feel a bit of that heat fire. And fire is a great element to transform whatever anxiety, fear we carry. And, and of course, it's up to you how, how you return to your everyday life and the choices that you make. But in order to make choices, of course, we need to be surrounded by people who care about us or people that you care about. You need to have the support of your community your sangha have a good teacher that you trust and of just simply take care of yourself in summer i don't usually cook but in winter i like to prepare more warming grounding grounding meals and it's maybe from the um the the, the science of ayurveda that i feel that ayurveda is really powerful special at least for me in in, in winter because i feel that i need those foods or meals that are more grounding healing warming that helps me to remember that i have that inner fire that it's so easy to um to lose especially in COVID times because there's that darkness heaviness around us finding ways to reconnect with that yeah little flame and and have maybe a meditation practice that helps you to remember that there's that little fire that you know it's 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 unaffected by the storm that is raging outside. So, Robbie encourages you to eat more carbohydrates <laughs> and more fats. No, I'm more. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, you can make, like, really nice um, soups. I like to, yeah, I just want to, like, right. simple example, yeah. pumpkin, sweet potato, you it, know, all this. It wasn't a criticism. I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't a criticism. It was encouraging everybody to, to do this. And, and um, again, it's one of those responses that we have from our physical evolution. Mm. Um, you know, store up now because um, there's going to be less to eat in the winter. I love what you said about warm food, and it seems so simple, as many things in yoga do. I went for Tibetan massage mm. the first time I went, um, and it was the winter. And the masses gave me a number of tips afterwards, and she's like, you need to eat more hot food. And she was right. I was not eating, you know, I wasn't having a hot breakfast, wasn't having a hot lunch. Mm. And it does make a difference for, for sure. um, whatever reason. I'm going to share a couple of things. I think um, one of the anxiety, well, there are two anxieties, I think, in terms of dealing with a pandemic. And one is a loss of control. Mm. And I think there are a number of things that yoga, number of exercises that yoga does give us in order to help us deal with that loss of control and letting go and remembering that once you let go, there is still something, someone taking care of everything. Mm. And if you had a little bit more faith in that process, you would find it easier. 
the other side of that is, of course, you have to accept that in that process, it will be, you know, somebody will have to die. <laughs> but if you begin to be less fearful of that and see that as a progress onto something else, then maybe you would be less anxious. I didn't mention it before, and I meant to every autumn stroke winter, I do suffer from seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm. um, most of us do to varying levels. Some people are just better at uh, getting over it, but it's basically when the days are shorter than the nights and you get less vitamin D and you get less sunlight, you begin to get the symptoms of depression. This year... Every year, there are a number of things that I do, including using one of these um, bright light things. And every year I go, oh, you know, it's not going to happen this year. I'm better. I've, you know, I've done the things that uh, <laughs> that I should do to to overcome this. And of course, it always does happen. And I go, oh, duh, I failed to, failed to learn that lesson. But one thing that was different this year, and it's down to my yoga practice, is... When you come to that understanding that your mind is an organ just like the other organs of your body, it's just that you're more connected to it. When it starts to produce these negative cycles and negative thoughts, it was actually comforting for me to think, wait a second, this is just my brain producing these negative thoughts. I am not my thoughts. I'm something else other than that now. I haven't yet discovered what that something else is, but at least I understand now that there is a separation. And it didn't really help me, you know, feel happy, but certainly I saw it as progress in understanding how I work and how my body and my mind and spirit are connected. And I, you know, having a general practice, I think is going to help you with, with anxiety. Another thing that I would recommend that's new to me and that I could never have seen myself recommending even a year ago and let us count your blessings so when i went to church as a kid you know we had a hymn about count your blessings name them one by one count your blessings see what god has done count your many blessings name them one by one blah 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 and i phew, annoy me because i'm not generally a wasn't generally a positive person but there is a point where if you have the stillness that yoga practice can give you, you can sit down and go, okay, it's not all darkness. I do see a little light in the darkness. And in fact, even a little light in the darkness is enough contrast with the darkness that it can really help. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's a beautiful thought. It reminds me of these gratitude practices. These days are so popular. And remember that we used to have a, Let's say one of the teachers that really inspired us, or who really inspired us, she's no longer with us, Matty. And uh, she, she always said that uh, practicing yoga is a privilege. I think we need to remember that, that we have the tool, and, and I think it's a true privilege to practice yoga and just simply showing up on the mat and not really expecting results immediately. Just do the work show up but also at the same time you know like develop that art of surrender or just you could say letting go i think we need the two two these two practices yeah and if you let go so much is easier and um, but it's it's good to mention that it's not an easy work at the end because i think often 
when I think, including me, we say like, oh, but just simply meditate, simply do this. And just <laughs> even in yoga class, you'd say like, simply release and let go of everything on the floor. Yeah. And I think it is, it is a hard practice. It's not it as is. easy as it sounds. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's normal to struggle with that. Yeah, and let's also remind ourselves that many of us, when we think we're meditating or not, meditation is a state exactly. of mind that we use <laughs> exercises to get into. Exactly. But getting into it, 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 it takes years. I'm not there yet. So, Robert has also mentioned it's the uh, you know the practice of shavasana because it's it's it brings together all these elements, and I think it even takes you further than sometimes yeah. meditation, like a mini samadhi, when you feel that you're basically body free you're completely free and you can really taste that touch of liberty freedom <laughs> yeah and when you come back you're just a new being yeah. or something something that it's lighter less fearful and for that i think the the sound bath also it's it's a practice which is just dear to me but uh, i think it's exactly the feeling that what ruby just said it's Complete it's something and, and the beauty of the beauty of sound to me is that as an individual, you don't need to do anything. The sound is doing it for you. You don't have to have the struggle of trying to go to meditation. It's going to take you there. Like not everybody, it doesn't happen systematically, but if you're lucky enough that the mind or the body is responsive to it, it's, it's really an amazing experience. And you come back indeed with like completely washed in a way after, after a session. So that's uh, cool. Which reminds me of some simple but really important symbolic things that we can all do which are not really yoga practice you might not have a fireplace or a stove in your house but you can get a candle mm -hmm. or you can get five candles and i find candles in winter are powerful very powerful and if you get a nice smelling one <laughs> you get you know you get two for the price of one because um pleasing your olfactory nerves um is also calming so warm food candles hot bath essential if, oils yeah if you have a bath i mean that's the other thing many of us don't have a bathtub now but all of these things that seem little that we grew up with in the winter it's now we discover as adults in a more automated world that actually they are there for a purpose and the things that we traditionally do in winter have been discovered by humans who lived in this part of the world for a long time and have been discovered to help. And I think, as you mentioned, there are other practices that you can do. A massage is a good option. You don't need a bathtub for that. And then, of course, you, you need some money to pay for the masseuse, but it's a, a great way to even self-massage can be just like massaging yourself. Just uh, <laughs> also promoted and recommended by Ayurveda and that's self-massage with a specific oil they call it Abhyanga that's basically based on your constitution and season you do it on a daily weekly basis once you're clean you use an oil and you let that oil absorb and basically that helps you to nourish the cells and also the qualities that the, the, the oil carries basically helps you to um, calm the mind the senses so yeah i think it's also very powerful to build on what colin said about sound bath and so on another simple way to lift your spirits in these darker times is the power of music song mm -hmm. yeah, and Put singing a, yeah sing along to your favorite abba song 
that's <clears> just my own I think on my own um, taste there and I just rediscovered this song I mean I, I used to love it from Abba um, yeah. just you know, keep on year. playing thank you for the music and um, the songs I'm singing and then you can always find the deep, joy they're exactly, bringing exactly and you can always find deeper meanings in that song You, ca I can See? I can yeah just as if you've broken up with somebody and you put on a weepy song, you can um, expunge that negative emotion by crying along with your favorite country song or whatever. There's a lot of music out there that is good to brighten and lighten our moods during the dark times, whether they be metaphoric dark times or whether they be literal dark times. As the sun goes down, literally, outside the Yoga studio, do you have any final thoughts for us on the yin and yang of lightness and darkness, on letting go, on surviving this darker period of COVID and indeed the winter? Might not be, might not sound super light, but I want to say practice death in a joyful way every day. <laughs> Okay, and that and and let's just say that that can just be shavasana practice. That can be shavasana. That can be just letting go of something. Yeah. So just simply embrace the fullness of life and don't push aside the seemingly dark or so-called dark energies. Mm. One of my teachers, or I read it somewhere, that darkness. Basically, it's fundamentally, essentially, it's the same energy. It's just not as bright yet, but it has the potential to to become bright, vivid, colorful. So darkness is just another aspect of that same fundamental energy or force. Thank you. And I think my little last step will be in this season, it's okay to indulge yourself a little. And by that, I just mean a little treat every now and then to make sure that you are well means that you can help others be well, too. And if you haven't heard from a friend in a few days, you know, maybe they're not coping so well with the darkness, whether that's literal or metaphorical. And if you're in a good space and you've taken care of yourself, then you're more able to give a hand to somebody else and help them up even if it's just listening it has been a pleasure to talk about darkness with both of you it's quite joyful yeah confronting our fears you know it's, it's not maybe not as difficult as we imagine and i just had to finish i just had this image as we were talking that at the end of the day we all come from a dark place the womb of our mothers and that's something which is dark and comfortable yeah it's so true. darkness is not always Bad. negative okay yep Okay. Bye-bye, Robbie. Bye. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, Colin. Bye, Matt. Bye, Robbie. Goodbye, everyone. And we look forward to talking to you again soon.